You know, Ryan, if you were to take a cell phone off of a Mets fan at Citizen Bank Park and toss it, do you think you can make the infield? I, I mean, I, I don't, that'd be a hell of a throw, but. I feel like I could make the infield. If I threw it hard enough and I was feeling inspired enough, if I had enough, if I had enough uh, energy in me, I feel like I could do it. But man, that would be a, that would be a tough throw. It would be a tough throw, and I have to say kudos to the guy who did throw the cell phone because he just did it. He obviously wasn't going to make the infield with the just how casual that throw was. And if you're not aware of what we're talking about here, uh, the other day at a Phillies-Mets game, a Mets fan was uh, recording the end of the, the game on his cell phone and celebrating. It was in Citizens Bank Park, and as he was uh, preparing to triumphantly leave Citizens Bank Park, a Phillies fan in a Bryce Harper jersey just plucked that phone out of his hand and just with the most casual throw I've ever seen in my life. just It was just seamless. Takes it out of his hand and tosses it onto the field like it was nothing. It was so awesome. And like the guy deserved it too. Like, all right, let me say that. I'm not saying it because he was just a Mets fan either. Like he was just being obnoxious. Like he was sticking his phone in everyone's face, like getting all the Phillies fans reactions of like, okay, we lost. Like what? This is odd. Why are you doing this? And so I commend the kid for taking the phone and just yeeting it into the outfield because the guy deserved it. Like if it was a Phillies fan who was acting that way and they had their phone thrown, I'd probably be saying the same thing. I'd say, yeah, he kind of deserved that. But like, yeah, dude was just kind of being obnoxious and uh, he got what he deserved. That's called frontier justice, friends. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. Frontier justice. I love that. I can't believe this doesn't happen more often. Like, because cell phones are such a, a big part of the experience now and everybody's got a camera in their pocket, essentially. Like, I can't believe this doesn't happen all the time where people get their cell phones destroyed. And I'm not encouraging this to happen. This shouldn't happen. And also, I don't know if the phone was destroyed. It landed on grass. Grass is uh, sometimes very soft. And that's very well cared for grass unless there's a concert and then it's, you know, a disaster. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like... Honestly, I feel like it doesn't happen more because I feel like most decent people have like an understanding of like, oh, I shouldn't like be annoying and obnoxious because people don't like that. So they don't. They don't act that way. They act they 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 act like a normal citizen. But for some reason, that guy was just feeling like he had to, he was probably drunk. I like from what I could tell, he looked rather intoxicated. So I feel like he was probably just living his best life. You know, maybe he was trying the nine 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 challenge. Maybe he's uh, maybe he was on his ninth beer or something, feeling pretty good about himself, and then uh, started kind of gloating a little bit about the the Mets win, as if they're going to win a championship or anything this year. <laughs> Come on, neither of these teams are winning a championship. As yeah. a hardcore <laughs> Phillies fan, I'll be the first to admit that. But I, I mean, like Phillies Mets games, I don't know if you've ever attended a Phillies Mets game, but they're next level obnoxious. They are probably, I would say. Of the, you know, all the Philadelphia sports events you can go to, I think the first, the top tier is Eagles games against division rivals, right? Like an oh, Eagles yeah. Cowboys game is going to be obnoxious. An Eagles Giants game is going to be obnoxious. Uh, Eagles Washington football team commanders, whatever the hell you want to call them these days, not as obnoxious, but that's kind of your, your tier there. Uh, 
And then any other Eagles game is also going to be really obnoxious because I love the birds. <laughs> but... Is there any Eagles game that isn't somewhat obnoxious? And there is always something awful going on in an Eagles game. But then after that, I might rank Philly's Mets as the most obnoxious Philly sports event to go to. It's just yeah. brutal because Mets fans all come down and it's always like, I don't know if it's half and half, but it's pretty close. It's probably like 60, 40 Phillies fans and there's competing chants. Like I haven't gone to one recently, but I probably discussed this on here before, but my, my best time going to Phillies Mets games was in 2007. And that was when the Phillies had their four game sweep of the Mets to uh, overtake them and then win the division. It was magical. And I went to two games during that series. I went to the first game. The Phillies were down four plus games and Chase Utley was just coming back. My cousin got killer tickets. We were probably like two rows off the field on the third baseline. It was unbelievable. And not only was I in the nice seats, but also just like because the Mets were up so many games, it was late in the season. It was pretty casual, you know, like the Phillies won and it was a, a nice convincing win. We were right. me and my dad ended up on TV, like waving goodbye to Mets fans that they left and everything. <laughs> so it was fun. Like, and they were all having fun with us. Like, oh, look at the scoreboard. I'm like, enjoy the ride back to New York, assholes. Like that kind of stuff. And great casual. Two nights later, is I go. Your dad still on? Is that like viewable on YouTube somewhere? I have looked for it before, and I haven't been able to find it. But I'm gonna take another look at some point, and I, I would love to get a screen capture of that. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> at some point, I'm just gonna be like, you know, perusing through YouTube at like old Phillies highlights, and I'm just gonna be watching. And I'm gonna be like, wait a minute, is that fucking Steve? <laughs> My that God, that's Steve Jacob's music. <laughs> my god it's steep yeah like yeah that'd be that'd be hilarious i've never even seen the clip because i didn't have dvr back then where i could just like replay the game or anything and oh I, yeah you know like i didn't yeah, i might have had dvr but i didn't think to record it i didn't think i just thought you know i got the tickets like last minute for my cousin and I didn't think much of the game. Like I thought, you know, it's cool that Utley's back and Gucci had done a great job filling in for Utley and everything. And, you know, we're just going to have a fun time. It was a beautiful night. So then the Phillies win the next day. And then I go to game three of this series and I have considerably worse tickets. I'm sitting in like the 300 level, 400 level, which is, you know, pretty high up there in Citizens Bank Park. And that game ends on a controversial call and the Phillies win just barely i think marlon anderson had uh gone like out of the baseline to slide and they called him out and that was the end of the game and it was the bases loaded so it was as controversial as it gets so people yeah were not happy leaving the stadium they were not happy and uh it was tense and a group of four very large men got in my face and were like oh you want to go you want to and i'm like i do not want to go i don't want to fight over a baseball game i'm sorry i feel like that's always such an awkward like, I just can't, yeah, when people get that angry over a sports game, like, at, it's like, I don't know, it, it's very, I've never understood it, and I don't know, I see it all the time, it happens all over the, like, especially in Philadelphia, I know some people get, like, big and buck if their team's losing or whatever in Philly, and, like, I don't know, I just don't get it, it's never been my cup of tea. Alcohol really is the, the fuel to this rage at the end of the day, it's, yeah. especially when people have been drinking all day, and it's it's a problem for sure so that was like that was rough and then uh one of my my best friends uh in the parking lot he's not even that big a sports fan i don't even think he was wearing phillies gear and some guy accused him of 
saran wrapping his car shut. (laughs) (laughs) Which, number one, that's just hilarious. It's very funny. It's just very funny. And, like, he got in his face and he's like, but I don't even have any Phillies gear on. Do you think I'm saran wrapping your car shut? It's like, <laughs> was he was a Mets fan that was accusing him of that? Yeah, Mets fan was accusing him of that. And I was like, okay, and yeah. he's just like one of those guys who's just, he, he'll go to sporting events if like friends are going, but he does not give a shit. That friend now, by the way, lives in Canada and does not care for hockey. And I'm always just like, oh, you poor son of a bitch. I know. Honestly, that's good for his mental health. It's very good for his mental health. It's true. Especially if, I mean... He's from Philadelphia, I imagine, right? He's from Philadelphia. Again, not a big sports guy, but if he was a yeah. Flyers fan living in Canada, I'm sure it would just be eternal torture. It, I can't even imagine what living in because then you like because then you're surrounded with Austin Matthews and like all these Leafs people, and then you're watching your team just get smoked every night, like literally smoked, and it's just smoking, smoking. Like this week in particular is just such an abysmal one for that. I was about to say this. I don't know what happened this week. Maybe like this week they finally got the green light from good old Chucky two trades to like <laughs> go full tank mode. And the players have all been really just trying to throw it. Maybe they had some, maybe they took the over in some of these games. I don't know. It but certainly like, looks like they're in tank mode because my alternate intro idea was how many flyers does it take to allow a shorthanded goal? And the answer of course is five. One to sit in the penalty box and four to chase the puck while they leave Connor Sherry alone to triple deke poor Martin Jones. Holy shit, was that one of the worst goals I've ever seen. That was so bad. It was so bad. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, in the World Cup of Hockey when Team North America scored that amazing goal in the three-on-three overtime against Sweden. And... And um, Nathan McKinnon put like that sick move. He was all alone. Like there was no one. Oh, that was unbelievable. Yeah. It reminded me of that. Except the problem is it wasn't fucking three on three. It was just a power. It was a power play for, for um, uh, the caps. Right. I believe it was. I would hope it was. I'm pretty sure it was, but I I honestly sure that it was. I was so checked out of that game by that point because the Flyers were already like just losing badly. And I saw that goal because number one, like everybody was talking about it because it was so bad. And my dad even called me up and he's like, yo, take a look at this. I'm sending you a picture right now. And I look at it and I'm like, holy (laughs) shit, there's nobody around this guy. Like Kevin Hayes just completely abandons like Ronnie Adderd's out there, but he's a rookie. At least he has like a defense to that. You know, I'm watching this. I'm like, what are these guys doing? And this is bad even by flyer standards. Don't get me wrong, but like, this is extra bad. That was a five on five goal. That was not even on the power play. Are you serious? I just assumed it was a penalty <laughs> kill. Five on five goal. That Why am I even a... podcasting about this team? I quit. We're going to talk about Better Call Saul for the rest of the day. Hold on a second. I need. To, I just need to confirm this because that is just... Uh... Why did I think that was on... I guess I know why I thought it was on the penalty kill. Because I saw four guys chasing the puck and nobody covering the one guy in front of the net. That's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. Five on five. They're trying to escape the zone. Oh, my God. It, it, no, it wasn't even them escaping the zone. The puck was just in the zone. They just couldn't track down the puck. The on the ice was puck watching. Jeez. Every single one. You can see them flocking towards the puck. <laughs> oh, my God. That's unbelievable. I, I thought that was a big <laughs> <laughs> oh, Holy shit. That's insane. And the funniest part about it 
is that was the second time that night that that had happened. The, that that goal from Oshi early early in the game in the first period, the same exact thing happened. Oh my god, this team is just such a disaster. And most of my outline isn't talking about the Flyers, to be honest, this week, because they are so bad. What is this, 13 goals allowed this week? I think they lost a combined, like, 13 to 2 over two nights. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Terrible. They're really bottoming out, and thankfully, we've only got two more weeks of Flyers hockey left, and this just nightmare can be over for a few months before we get right back to it, and... Who knows, by then maybe we'll have successfully pivoted to a food podcast, to a movie podcast, to a TV podcast, to anything but Flyers hockey, because I don't know how much longer anybody can talk about it. Flyers Twitter has become so poisoned beyond just, I don't even recognize it from where it was. It's gross. I don't even recognize it from where it was a few years ago. And this team's unwatchable. It's just bad. And when you think about the future of this team, it's really hard to remain optimistic and I'm trying my best. They're, they brought in some young talent lately, and one of the guys they brought up this week, I feel so bad for him, and that would be Bobby Brink. I'm trying to think of the best Big Bopper voice to do for that, because he just reminds me of something the Big Bopper would say, which if you've never, if you're not <laughs> familiar, Big Bopper was a singer way, way, way back in the day, and I always just laugh because part of his act is like, he gets on the phone, and he's like, hey, it's the Big Bopper. <laughs> <laughs> maybe big bopper brink should be his name it could be big bopper brink because he's not a very big guy he's just he's a, a little guy boy. he's just a little yeah. guy he's listed so i looked up his stat at least on the the denver pioneers website and they had him listed at 5'9 166 i saw charlie list him at 5'8 in an article earlier this week so He's just a tiny little guy, but he's exciting. He's probably the most exciting prospect in the pipeline right now. Well, he might be number two after Tyson Forrester, because at least Tyson Forrester has that big shot. Yeah. But Brink's yeah. up there, and I I think my favorite nickname for him is the one that James Minker gave him, which is Foreman Mills Cole Caulfield. Which if you're, <laughs> That's such a good name. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Foreman Mills, for people outside the Philadelphia area, Foreman Mills is a discount store that sells a lot of knockoff merchandise and just stuff that's like, you know, not quite to the same quality. Like they always sell Eagles jerseys with something just slightly off about them. And they're yeah. just not official. Like it'll be missing like the Eagles logo on the jersey or on like one part or like the numbers won't be on the, the shoulders or something. So Foreman Mills, Cole Caulfield is great. And one more thing about Foreman Mills before I let you talk about Bobby Brink, uh, they have some amazing commercials, which you should look up online, where it basically is like, pay those bills, Foreman Mills. They still have a jingle? And then it's not even like, or it's not pay those bills. It's like, um, I have to look it up. They don't even have a jingle. It just goes like, Foreman Mills. Foreman Mills. I feel like that counts as a jingle. <laughs> even if it's just like a quick little thing. You know what? I, so me and a couple of friends were talking about this the other day. I miss jingles so much. Jingles were fantastic. I miss them too. Like I remember there was this, there's this place in Richmond called um, AG's Bicycles. And they had this, oh my God, it was such an awesome commercial. They had this song that was just like, AG's Bicycle, they bring out the best in you. <laughs> <laughs> Jingles are great. Um, there's there, there's a place around the corner for me that I don't really like to go to anymore because I heard some shit in there. But like, uh, it's called Steak 'Em Up, and they have these commercials that they use, uh, like the old um, 
they use an old 80s song and the, the commercials all go like stick them up stick them up i believe uh joel Faraby used to go to stake them up is that right I remember on an old episode of the flagship show, they were talking about how he posted something about Stake Em Up, which is cool because wow. that's like a neighborhood. So it's like, literally around the corner for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wait, yeah. I got a Foreman Mills commercial up. I'm just going to play it real quick. Yes. Do it. That's what it is. <laughs> God, it's. Over, I couldn't I couldn't see anything, but I can tell just from the sound of it that it is way over the top, more so than it should be. And you can tell that, like, you can just tell, I'm sure, not even looking at it, that, like, the letters are jumping up to the front of the screen, like, really yeah. getting in your face. Like, it, it demands your attention right there. Foreman Mills. Was there a siren in, like, in it, like the little red siren light? Was that in the commercial? Let's see. Let's go back to the beginning. It's, uh, there's a rainbow act. Oh, wait. It's just... <laughs> there, there was a rainbow there was red te- there was a red background with white text saying summer clearance oh my god like i heard the siren in the background and i was just like they have to have the light in that commercial to make it like the ultimate corny ad oh my and god I, they got a rainbow though so that's pretty good they got a rainbow they got bad graphics and i i have found some choice t-shirts over at foreman mills in the past it is it is quite a store. I do miss the good jingle. The jingles used to be the thing. Every commercial in the 90s. Like, have you ever just sat down and watched 90s commercials? It's a great way to pass the time because they're so oh, weird. So yeah, there's this um, Twitter account or maybe it was Instagram. I can't remember which one, but there's this account I used to follow on social media called uh, <laughs> Valium Village. And basically, <laughs> they took like old clips of like 90s like weird 90s videos that like little videos that they would make kids in school watch to teach them not to smoke or something like that oh those psas yeah the the like dare kind of ads and everything yeah yeah and like just the worst acting ever and they would just take those and they would like edit them to be more hilarious than they already were and it was yeah it's so good i miss those those are good times man we i wish we had a chance to say goodbye before we knew that they'd be fleeting it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday (laughs) i I, you know at the end of the day what's what's the best jingle of all time before we get into talking about bobby brink like I, i think one of the greats of all time is folger's coffee the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Oh, no. You know what, Steve? I know what the best single of all time is. And it's not even a debate. It's not even close. Everyone's favorite company ever. My pillow. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, does my pillow have a jingle that's just not like people storming the gates at the Capitol building? I believe they do. It's like for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world called mypillow.com. <laughs> oh my God. Now his ads don't even have that much charm. They're on like, because I, I, I still have, I don't have cable per se, but I have YouTube TV and yeah. I do get some weird channels on there that I'll watch occasionally because they'll show like, I don't know, like one night, again, I've, I've talked in previous weeks about how I've watched a lot of like cooking shows lately. And I think they were showing like Hell's Kitchen. And I'm like, I'm going to toss this on for five minutes. Right. And a goddamn My Pillow commercial came on. And now it's it's Mike Lindell 
sitting in a weird room, like, I guess his office, going like, they tried to cancel me, but guess what? I'm still here, and you can still buy my pillow. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, defending himself. I'm like, dude, what the hell? I am not a creep. (laughs) Yeah, first of all, yeah, you are. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. The only reason I know that jingle is because my when I used to live with my parents right after college, my dad would watch Fox News, like, pretty much all day, every day. And, like, that commercial for Fox News comes on every, I don't know, like, every commercial break, basically. (laughs) It's like so when I'd you watch CNN that. in the middle of the day and it's Joe Namath talking about like, uh, yeah. what is it? Reverse mortgages or something. Yes. So like random. And so I was like, I would come downstairs to make some dinner and I would hear that commercial like twice in my like 10 minutes down there. Holy shit. Like, I gotta get the hell out of here. I gotta so. leave. I gotta go. I gotta get out of this house. And then I moved. <laughs> I moved out completely. There so you go. That's a happy yeah. ending right there. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, let's talk yeah, about no, Poppy but- Brink. <laughs> I was about to say we got a good talk about Bobby Brinker. I'm I am excited about Bobby Brinker, and like I'm happy. It's actually funny. I was looking back at the stats for that Caps game, and I think he was one of the only players that was like not like I know plus minus is a stupid stat, but like he was one of the only non minus players from that Caps game, which I guess is kind of cool considering he's a rookie. So like I don't know. It's you can take that with. Whatever you want. As but many grains thought, of salt as you please. Exactly. Was, yeah. was Travis Sanheim like the only other guy who wasn't like abysmally like in the minus in that game? Let's see. Let me go back and take a look. I, I um, feel like I saw something that Sanheim ended up being like a plus one or a minus one in that game. But yeah, it just what was that? A nine to one final? It was nine to two. Nine to two. Good. Lord. Both. Of course, both. Both goals were from JVR. Like who else? Who else would score? Not someone we want, obviously. <laughs> He's got to raise that trade value that doesn't exist. I know. See, that's what's annoying. Like, that's the worst part about it. And now they're going to, like, trick themselves into thinking, like, oh, well, maybe JVR is coming back. Maybe he's got a scoring touch again. And then it's just like, guys, fucking chill out, would you? Like, open your eyes. Take a look at the world. Um, touch. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is actually pretty interesting. So there are one, two, three, four. Five. I'll just say, let's just do forwards. Forget defensemen. One, two, three, four. There were four players who were either, they either broke even in plus minus or were in the positives. Oh, wow. Do you take a guess at who those players were? So was it Brink and Sanheim? Were they two of them? So Brink was one. Um, Sanheim was plus one. Yes, you're right. Okay. And then who would, well, I guess, I'm assuming one of them wasn't Kevin Hayes. <laughs> no. Or no, Roddy Adder. Jesus Christ. Um, who's even on the team that's half or Was Nate Thompson one of those guys? <laughs> Let's see. No, Nate Thompson was minus four. Oh, that. what a shocker. What a, what a <laughs> shocker right there. What a hockey player that Nate Thompson is. Uh, oh, my God. Who else is on this uh, cursed What are the you're going to be very surprised by a couple of these names. Uh, did Risto play in that game? He did. Is it Risto? He was. He broke even. Oh, how about he that? broke even. Very tough to play against. Yeah, he is tough tell. to play against. He gets in the corners and he stays there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we have both defensemen. So now that now there are one, two, three players. Three forwards who 
either broke even or were positive in that game in plus minus. Connectney. We already talked about Brink, so he's off the board. Connectney. Connectney broke even. All right. Jerk store is open for business. Jerk store is open. So Connectney, and now there's two more. Um, one of them actually might be a little easy, just given. Scott Lawton. No, he was actually minus two. Ah, Scooty Lutz. Um, Oop. Who else could it be? Who could it be? Um, I'm going to do one more guess and then I'm, uh, I'm going to give okay. up if I don't get it right on this one. If I don't get it right on this one, I'm giving up. I'm calling it a day. Who else is on this hockey team that is not a dumpster fire? That's actually not even necessarily the case. Is it could be anybody. Um, we're gonna go with uh, Cam Atkinson. No, Cam Atkinson was actually minus one. Um, the players, all right, the two remaining players. You're actually gonna kick yourself for this. It was JBR who was plus one. There we go. What a bo- what a guy. He's great both ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just great two way player. Everyone knows how good he is defensively. So I mean. Yeah. And then the last player who was plus one on the night was Morgan Frost. Wow. Was not expecting Morgan Frost. I I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people kind of expect him to not exactly have a positive impact on the team at this point. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. A lot like, of people I have given that. up on him. They act like he is just like dead. <laughs> I know, and I feel bad because I want nothing more than for Morgan Frost to succeed. But it's it's really diff- it's a t- hard time right now because he just he hasn't given many indicators of true NHL potential, you know. And it's just it's a little disheartening, right? Like with Cam York, for instance. Like we've seen some really great flashes from Cam York yes. that gives you hope for his future as a a hopefully you know top or middle pairing defenseman. I think most people say middle pairing, but on this team certainly could be a top pairing guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like Morgan Frost has done that before too, but I can only remember the one time where he showed a flash of like true, like wow talent. And that was his first goal when he did that. In I think it was like a, just a filthy like backhander that he roofed past Bobrovsky against the Panthers a couple years ago. Oh, um, it was so, it was like a, Beautiful goal. Um, or maybe it was last season. I can't remember. But um, his first goal was a beauty. And I was just like, oh, my God. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm on the Frost bandwagon. And then this season, it's just not worked out at all. And it's it's a huge bummer. It is a bummer. And I he's one of the – I got you got to give him one season in the full lineup with a proper coach. Because no offense right. to Mikey Yao, but – he ain't a proper coach. He's a guy who knows he's the interim guy. He's just trying to just get through the days right now. There could be whiskey in his Gatorade bottle. There's only one way to know, and that's be Mike Yo. And I, I, I'm not. So I have a full head of hair. But no, I'm not dunking on Mike Yo's yes. hair. I'm sorry. That's mean. But Bobby Brink really could not have picked a brutal, <laughs> more brutal two games to come up and play oh, with so the bad. Philadelphia Flyers. It just sucks yeah. that his first NHL point had to get marred like that. And oh man, 
But he's an exciting guy. I mean, he is small, but so is Danny Briere. And Danny Briere is in this organization, and he yeah. can he can guide him successfully. I mean, Brink is listed again on the Denver website of 59166. Uh, again, Charlie had said he was more like 5'8 before and said he's listed as 5'8 some places. So he's tiny, but Briere was a tiny guy too. He's 5'9, 174. And if you look at Brink's numbers over the past few years with Denver, 2019 20, he had 24 points in 28 games played. 20 to 21, he had 11 points in 15 games played. I believe he was hurt that year, though. That's why he had a shortened season. Yeah. No, I mean, he's clearly backing up. You know, I know he doesn't have the most size, but I mean, like you mentioned, Briere wasn't very big either. And Cam Atkinson, he's only 5'8", 176. So, like, you know, it's he's surrounded by short kings who have been very good at hockey. So it's like he it's, he doesn't have to look far to realize, like, oh, wow, I, I like, really can't make it in this league, you know? Um, <laughs> the tiny and, king squad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's what the fun's identity should be, just short kings just flying all over the ice. I'm in for it. I love it. I love it. And then if we look at 21-22 this past season that he had, where his team won the NCAA championship, which is awesome, uh, he had 57 points in 41 games played, 14 goals and 43 assists. So that's a, a quite an impressive number this past season for Brink, and he's one of those guys that we are just looking forward to, and our our hopes and dreams are really relying on the Brinkster right now. Yeah. Well, you know what? He gave me a lot of. Um... I don't know. I felt pretty excited watching him the last couple games, despite the horrific results of both games. Like, um, I mean, I feel like they, even though I don't think they scored a power play goal in that. Um, oh, they did. That second goal they scored against the Caps was indeed a power play goal. And Brink, of course, got the assist on it. So that's good. But I feel like they've gotten some pretty decent looks on the power play in the last two games just by the addition of Brink alone because he makes some really good passes through the like the center of the ice. And I feel like that's, you know, that's the best the power play's looked in a while, considering, you know, Giroux is gone and they haven't really had anyone to effectively distribute the puck when they're on the man advantage. So I don't know. I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from him on the power play. And I'd love to see him continue getting power play time. But yeah, no, I, I'm excited with what I saw. I know the results have been awful, but I think he's the kind of player who like, I really think he can make it in this league. I, like I, I always kind of have a soft spot for like the smaller guys. Cause everyone says, Oh, well he's short. So like he's going to have a lot of work to do to make it in the NHL. But like, then I look at guys like Cam Atkinson and Danny Briere and Patrick Kane and like smaller dudes. And then it's just like, well, I mean, they can make it work. So, you know, it's it's not an end all be all if you're a, not 510 or something like that. So I'm rooting for him. One, well, uh, there's a lot of benefits to being a small, quick guy, even looking back at Marty St. Louis, who had a, a tremendous career out of being just a tiny little king over there. And uh, Cole Caulfield, who they call the small goals boy, <laughs> at least by yeah. day. I mean, we on the blog call him that. But <laughs> he, you know, there, there's a lot of benefits that you can kind of sneak around guys, right? You can kind of just get into the, yeah. the cracks there and you have to be crafty when you're that small, like you really have to be like a smart player, which is one of the things that Cam York was saying about him the other day. He said, he's just a smart player. You see him off the ice and you don't think he's super powerful or anything like that. And then he gets on the ice. He's just a really smooth, really smooth skater. And I didn't say that smoothly. So apologies. Silky with <laughs> the puck and makes good plays all over the ice. So 
it's about your skills at that size and it's about your smarts right. and you really just have to marry those two together to succeed. It's about skills. It's about smarts, but don't forget short Kings. They can also beat up Travis Sanheim pretty well as Nathan Gerby uh, showed a couple of years ago. So <laughs> oh God, I forgot I'll about never that. Forget that. I'll never forget that night when it was the fight between Gerby and Sanheim and Sanheim literally lost him. And then Gerby just showed up on the other side of him and started wailing on him. And it, yeah, I don't know. So Bobby Brink, don't be afraid to drop the gloves. You might just, uh, you know, you might just flash by him and they'll lose you. Beat up a guy twice your size. Yeah, it's great. It's terrific. Love when that happens. And I also love when guys get flipped off on the ice, which doesn't happen nearly enough. <laughs> and I think the hockey highlight of the week is Ryan Hartman, who is... I think one of my top should have kept in recent history for the Flyers right there because he's having a fantastic year for the wild. He's been playing top six minutes and he scored a bunch of goals. He's been awesome. And he did one more awesome thing this week when he flipped off a Vander Kane. Noted, noted a great guy, Evander Kane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Evander Kane really, there's a reason the sharks just like wash their hands of him. Yeah. No, he's, he's, It's such a shame because he is so, he's unbelievably talented, Evander Kane is. And if he just had his head in the right spot, he would be, I think he would be a really fun player to watch, but he's just, clearly his focus isn't on hockey and he's just, he's just not a good dude at all. And it's just, it's a shame that, you know, talent is kind of wasted on dudes like that sometimes, but you know what? He you kind of reap what you sow and he's kind of paying the price now a little bit, but um, you know what? And I was going to say, well, now it's Ryan Hartman paying the price for flicking him off, but apparently it's not because people are willingly paying for his fine that the NHL gave him, which is amazing. It is amazing. People went and they found his Venmo and were sending him money left and right. Wild fans were doing that. And then there was one notable name that popped up in there and it was Vander Kane's ex-wife. God bless her. It's just amazing. Like that. Well, you know, they had their issues, right? And that was part of why he was cut from the Sharks like he was. Uh, He had, you know, there were some allegations out there against Evander Kane that were not great. And the, it was just hilarious. The people that she sent him that Venmo and, you know, Hartman did the classy thing and he donated the money to children's Minnesota and just what a guy, Ryan Hartman. Yeah, I, I do wish the Flyers got that. And I know, like, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, he's he's having an amazing season. I, he probably would not be having a season like this if you were on the Flyers still, I can pretty much guarantee. But he's a good player. He's, like, even when he was here for that short amount of time, I thought he was a great bottom six player. And for some reason, they kind of decided to go the Tyler Pitlick route, which, like, I thought he was good, too, when he was here. But there's something about Ryan Hartman, man. He's He's, I don't know, he's got kind of like a little bit of that Philly attitude, which I'm a fan of. He's got the piss and vinegar that I've been talking about on this team. He gets in the corners. He scraps it up. Like he's exactly the kind of player I want. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if this like offensive outburst Renaissance season that he's having is sustainable. I don't think it is, but like, who knows? Maybe this is kind of the, I mean, maybe this is the start of like a pretty nice run in his career. So We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed that highlight this week. And we don't talk uh, nearly as much about around the league stuff as we used to. We're going to have to for the playoffs because the Flyers ain't going to be in it. But 
that Hartman <laughs> thing just was hilarious. You don't see guys ever get flipped off on the ice and seeing the ref drag him away and he's just flipping the bird to, to yeah. Vander Kane. Was just, yelled him. Oh. He's like, hey, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> just, will somebody please think of the children, all the pro yeah, in the NHL over this, finding him like, come on, give me a break. The same league that had Green Day come on, and they're like, "Put your fucking hands in the air!" <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, my god, just perfect. And you know, thanks to Ryan Hartman for giving us a little bit of humor this week. Yeah, yeah, we needed, we definitely needed that. Now, an interesting piece came out on the Athletic. I think this was yesterday about. Ottawa Senators owner Eugene Melnick, who recently passed away. And this was a piece they've been working on for a while, but I also don't give a shit. Some people were complaining about the timing of this piece. It was a, a long form piece about just what a a general, I'm just going to put it out there, piece of shit this guy was. <laughs> and he had a complicated legacy, right? Like there were some story. I was actually shocked at the positivity that was out there after his death, because I thought he was just well regarded or not well regarded, but uh, widely regarded as kind of a curmudgeon, a miser and one of the worst NHL owners. But then there's stories about like, Oh, well he sent, you know, flowers to Eric Carlson when his children were born or something. And it's like, well, that's sweet. But this long form piece really like, turned the light on some just nasty stuff that Eugene Melnick had done. There was some homophobia in there and some misogyny and just, just not, not a great guy. And is that different from any other hockey men though? You know, <laughs> oh, real. man, it was bad. It, it definitely was. It was bad, but it's stuff that people deserve to know and should yeah. know. But yeah. you know, Melnick, we also know around these parts for, having a bad yacht trip a couple years ago when the pandemic first started. He was like, I'm going to get on a yacht. And he, he was a weird guy from a lot of this article. And he had that bad yacht trip, which we laughed at because it's like, oh, billionaire problems right there. And it turns out he's been living in like, he's a Ukrainian, I believe Ukrainian born or something like that. But he, he like owns the Ottawa Senators and lives in Barbados. And he like had a favorite bar down there that he like had rebuilt in Ottawa or something like just bizarre stuff. And clearly Melnick loved the sauce because a lot of this story is about him just being a drunk and being drunk in awkward times, awkward places. And one of them was at the Stanley cup final run that the Ottawa senators made in 2007. You might remember Chris Pronger from that run. And this is from that story on The Athletic where they say, after the Senators run to the Stanley Cup final in 2007 ended with a 6-2 loss to the Anaheim Ducks in Game 5, Melnick stood in the middle of the visitors' dressing room and delivered a speech to the dejected players that went on several wild tangents. At one point, he declared that he was once a goalie and pretended to make stick saves in front of the players. Melnick, who to many in the room appeared intoxicated, also had a hard time identifying Ottawa players outside of stars like Daniel Alfredson, Jason Spezza, and Danny Heatley. It was beyond <laughs> embarrassing, says one person who was in the room. As he addressed the team, Melnick became extremely agitated that the Ducks' noisy celebration outside was interfering with his speech. Tell them to shut the fuck up and turn that music down, he yelled. 
I want to interject real fast because that like the audacity to tell the team that just beat you in the Stanley Cup final, they're literally celebrating with the cup feet away from you, telling them to shut up and turn the music down. Like I, it's just, it's, it's funny to me. It's oh, it's very- laughable. It is just like, number one, uh, why would they do that? <laughs> You know, they just beat your ass. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't. If, any, if you were to say, turn the music down to them, they would literally turn it all the way up. Yeah. Like, they don't give a shit. They just won the ultimate prize in their sport. And probably the best trophy in all of sports. Like, they are celebrating, and they're going to enjoy every moment of this. So, yeah, they're not going to do that, bud. And then number two, like, one of the things you see throughout this, this story is... Melnick burning bridges with prospective players wherever he can. A smart yeah. owner would forge relationship with other players so that when they're a free agent or they're demanding a trade or something, they think, oh, well, that guy was really nice to me that one time. Maybe I'll go to his organization or something. And instead, he would, like, talk trash on other guys. Like, he talked trash on Patrice Bergeron, apparently. Yeah. Just, in, yeah, it's insane. Like, he's just a just a weird dude. Like, everything, everything about him was just... I don't know. It seemed off. It seemed off for sure. And then this brings me to my favorite part and the part I really wanted to talk about, the part that was maybe the most off of anything, a certainly unusual part of this entire story where it says Melnick then made a memorable vow to the players, promising that if they ever won the Stanley Cup, their rings would be the size of animals. (laughs) He started by saying they would be the size of beavers. Then he said they would be the size of deer. Then it was that the rings would be the size of a moose. It just got progressively bigger. There were other wild meandering speeches and predictable outbursts. Like, what? This is just crazy. This is just like, I, I, this sounds like something that I would make up for a flipper blog on BSH. It doesn't sound real. Just going on and making the animals bigger and bigger. It's going to be the size of Godzilla. It's going to be the size of the moon. It's going to be the size of the entire universe. Like, where does it stop, Eugene Melnick? (laughs) I just want to know what made him pick those specific animals that he picked. Like, They're very Canadian animals. I just think it's, yeah, it's very, like, Canada, or, like, the beaver, the deer, the moose. Like, what the fuck? It's going to be the size of a Wendigo. Wendigo. We were talking before the show about this. Like, it's so funny that, like, these hockey executives, like, I remember Paul Fenton, who used to be with the Minnesota Wild. He, I remember when they first signed Zuccarello, he compared Matt Zuccarello to, the, like, the lizard. And, like, I remember, I remember Craig used to talk all the time about the, the lizard thing. And it's just like, like a lizard. I don't understand. Just sliding on in there like a lizard, just crawling around, <laughs> like, a, like, just enjoying his heat lamp like a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so weird it's and like so weird. like i don't know what he was trying to say like i like clearly he was just trying to like make a joke like yeah you're gonna have a ring the size of a moose no like i think he was just drunk and like just drunk. going on these like just going on these tangents and like his drunk mind is like yeah listen it's like when you're making plans with a friend when you're a little intoxicated we're you know i think we're kind of making a like a, an AA podcast here, good reason to not drink anymore. All that stuff we're talking oh, yeah. about violence and uh, crazy promises and telling the Anaheim Ducks to shut the fuck up when they're trying to celebrate their Stanley Cup. But like, 
you know when you're making plans with somebody and you're like a little intoxicated and you're like we're gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna we're gonna just go crazy okay we're gonna we're gonna rent a whole airplane for your birthday and we're gonna fly coast to coast and we're gonna do the bogs challenge okay it's gonna be great i have said that to so many people (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get an airplane we're gonna get a g5 we're gonna go flying to india it's gonna be great just gonna do the bogs and it's gonna be you know drink 50 plus beers that's (laughs) yeah no he was i mean he and he had like known issues with substance abuse right I guess so. I, I don't really know that much about Melnick outside of yacht problems and being cheap <laughs> and this. Yeah. 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 I know there are lots of complaints about Melnick from Senators fans. And like, I mean, like, it, it was sad when I heard that he passed. Like, he, I don't know. It, it's sad when anybody passes. Well, maybe not. Most people. Any. Most people. Yeah. It's sad when most <laughs> but, people pass. And like, Clearly, he had a complicated legacy. Like, they talked about him giving money to a guy that he had uh, kind of mixed relations, you know, with in business, uh, giving money to get his family out of Ukraine before the Russian invasion. So, like, he did do some good stuff. He had some, you know, he did send Eric Carlson's family, you know, a nice gesture when his children were born. And uh, I think there was another player he had some nice gestures with. So, like, he did have good moments, but he also had a shit ton of really bad moments like you know saying uh what's this gay shit we're an embarrassment to the league because we're advertising gay people enjoying hockey like that's just monstrous it's insane yeah and like you would think an owner would have more i don't know understanding of like if you want to build something i mean why would you not want to include like certain groups of people i don't know like it's just it's insane and I, I feel like at some point when you get rich enough, you kind of get blinded and you just stick to your beliefs and everything. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's unfortunate that he had such a such a turbulent time, I guess, as the owner of the Senators. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I don't know, man. It, it's weird to think about like that whole thing where he's talking about the progressively bigger animals is just so wild to me. It's just like a crazy yeah. drunk person rant. It's very like Trumpian to me, where like <laughs> yeah, I always is. describe like how Donald Trump describes things is like it's always it's always there's three phases, right? It's like good, better, best. So it's kind of following that pattern where it's like it's the size of a beaver. It's the size of a deer. It's the size of a moose. Good, better, best. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> it's almost like a, like, I, I don't want to say this. Like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, I almost wonder if there were, like, other drugs involved, too. But, like, there could be. I mean, I, there could be. Like, I mean, ju- based on what we know of him, like, it sounds like that is a very legit possibility. I feel bad saying that out loud because, like, what do I, I don't know that, you know. But, allegedly. Just throw an alleged, yeah. you sprinkle an allegedly in there and it works. The uh, Tisa Samaro method. You just put alleged, <laughs> allegedly in there and it works. No, but, like, I mean, it sounded like he was kind of fucked up when he gave this little speech here. And rich guys have a lot of resources to get fucked up, so they do it. It makes you wonder how often other things like this would happen. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I'm, I find it hard to believe that this was a one-time occurrence. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, they they talked about that he would be drunk at games and make people uncomfortable and everything, and yeah. they would know he was in the building because he'd be blasting music very loudly from his office, usually Coldplay. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the article is wild. Like, they said that he would blast, like, Coldplay, and you know he would be in the office. So just imagine hearing, like, and you know you're about to get, like, shit-canned. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, yeah, when he's about to fire someone, he plays like the scientist. <laughs> Don't know how lovely you are. <laughs> what was it like uh Viva La Vida? Like you're like, I used to rule the world. And you know somebody's about to give you like a very unreasonable request to go to like uh McDonald's to get fifty Big Macs or something by the end of the day. God <laughs> Uh, now I'm just imagining, like, I'm trying to think of all the scenarios in which a certain Coldplay song would be blasting in his office for, like, whatever whatever it could be. Like, <laughs> it's so good. My God. Coldplay of all bands. Coldplay was apparently, like, one of uh, good old Melly's favorite bands there. <laughs> you would think that it would be ACDC or something that's more, you know, hockey-like. Oh, some very old school, like, you know, I could, listen, it's very intimidating if he's a big Led Zeppelin fan and you just hear like, dun, 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 like that's, that's how you know, like I could see Ed Snyder doing that, right? Like you hear like, no, Ed Snyder, I don't know what Ed Snyder's music taste was, but he seems like a crooner guy to me. I could be wrong, but he seems like a crooner guy to me. I feel like he liked the blues. I could see that. I could see the blues for sure. But like, I don't know, like. Right, like that kind of like raspy. Red Snyder only listened to somebody who smoked a pack a day. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which like I can vibe with because I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But like, I actually wanted to tie Snyder into this because we talk about Ed's legacy with the team a lot, and obviously he was a big part of what made the Flyers the Flyers, made in Broad Street Bullies back in the day. And it was a more complicated legacy in recent years. Specifically, I always like to think of the Brizgalov debacle as uh, being a very complicated part of Ed Snyder's legacy. There were times where he was, you know, he had almost too much say over what the team's direction would be. But that's because he cared, right? I can't see Ed Snyder doing any of this shit. Like, and I, believe me, Ed Snyder, not even close to a perfect person. He was the reason Sarah Palin got invited to that one game. He had some very controversial politics with like his Ayn Rand philosophies and everything. But at the end of the day, he cared about the Philadelphia Flyers and he treated his employees well as far as like the alumni and everything. I don't know. You know, I imagine he treated the day to day well, but like the alumni all loved him to death. Yeah. And like he just seemed like everything with the Ed Snyder Hockey Foundation, like everything about it. He's just he seemed like such a good dude. And um, I don't know. It seemed like. He built the Flyers. This is going to sound so corny, but he, he there's so much of what has built the Flyers was his love for the Flyers. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, that's uh, that's accurate because he the Flyers were his baby. Yeah, and he just he cared so much about the organization and the people who worked for it. And I've heard so many stories about him, you know, sticking up for his players, his coaches, or whoever. And he just, he clearly loved everything about it. I, I think I heard a story somewhere where like, you know, if you get drafted, he's like one of the first people to come down, shake your hand, introduce himself to you. And then he remembers your name from that very second on. And like, you know, it's, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and literally in this article here, it talks about Melnick not knowing anybody outside of the top stars on the team. Yeah, it's insane. Like that that's what blows my mind too. Like you would think being the owner of a team, you would give half a shit about the players who represent your team, your brand. And it sounds to me like Melnick almost just, he owned the team just for like a cash grab or something, you know, like he didn't care at all. Then why, like, what are you doing? You know, it's very strange. It is strange. And he would get cheaper in his later years with the players. They would, you know, they've gotten to the point they're at now because of that inattention. And that just, it's funny because like the flyers, it's always like people complain about the ownership because like, it's just not as personal as it used to be. But the Flyers aren't in the position they're in due to a lack of spending money, due to a lack of, you could you could argue maybe a lack of attention from up top. But like, at the end of the day, like Chuck Fletcher cares about this team. He's been the guy authorized to make this team like it is, and we have been through the history of Chuck Fletcher. And like, say what you will about Comcast, the Flyers always spend up to the cap every year. Okay, they've never tried to you know, spend like the bare minimum or anything like that. The flyers spend money. They try to win. They just have not been successful with their current strategy. The Ottawa senators have been clearly not trying to win, trying not to spend money in the past few years. And that's, that comes from the top. Yeah. And like, that's why they've been so they've been terrible because it's like you said, it it all come. It's a trickle down effect. Like if it's not a full effort from the top, it's not going to be a full effort going down either. And like, I don't know, I feel like I almost feel bad saying this, but like with Melnick, you know, with the change at the helm, perhaps much brighter days are to come for Senators fans, which is good. Like they deserve it. They've been through some really hard times lately. So it'd be it would be good to see them kind of get back to contention. But it's just a shame that it takes something like this for something like that to potentially happen, you know, for sure. And again, like I don't think it's disrespectful of the man's death to put out information about stuff he actually did. Oh yeah. Died. Exactly. Like it, it, that's journalism. Okay. And it's important that people know what kind of person he actually was. Like you can't just make somebody a saint because they're not with us anymore. It's a person is who they were. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of the urban Meyer story that came out not too long ago. From the oh my Atlanta. God. Crazy story. Just like, there are so many people in sports who are just batshit out of their minds. Oh, they're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. And I don't know what it is. I guess it's the ultra competitive atmosphere. And I don't want to stereotype. Not everybody has this, but lack of education for some people that, because like there are, you know, not obviously not every sports star. There's some very intelligent people, but there's also a great number of people who get to coast through school because they were good at sports and they get to just pass their classes and it doesn't matter or they don't even finish school or they don't pay any attention because they're good at sports. And uh, it's important to round out your skill set and all that thing, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I'm not calling them all dumb jocks, but there's definitely a share of dumb jocks out there. I remember a few years ago, I got so jealous of Marcus Mariota before he left Oregon because um, his senior year, he was taking two classes, golf and yoga. Holy shit. Golf and those yoga? Were his, those were his classes, his two classes for school. Like, if I think about my last semester at Temple, I had, 
I think I had four or five classes and an internship and a part-time job. Yep. Although one of those classes was tennis. That's kind of cool. That was cool. I just wanted to get outside and take advantage of my college education. I had, let's see, I took the history of rock and roll one year. That was pretty cool. Wow. I like that. That's awesome. I want to take the history of rock and roll. Yeah. That was a fun class. The, uh, the teacher was wild. He was from Australia. First day of class, he comes out, introduces himself, and he takes out a pair of, I'm not making this up, squirrel testicles. And he just shows them to us. And he just kind of went on a tirade about Australia. And then <laughs> we started learning rock and roll. <laughs> what? It was insane. Normally, I would I would react to something in real time on the, the show, say stuff, and I was just speechless. Like you said, squirrel testicles. I had literally no idea where this was going, and I just was, what? He, that was his thing. He did it to every class on the first day of school every year, or every semester. It was truly astounding. I don't know why he did it. No one never found out. For the, he just, for the history of rock and roll. Yeah, for the history of rock and roll. I think it was like, like a weird Australia thing. He was like trying to talk. I don't know. And then he just talked us off a ledge about Australia. All right, Steph, when you listen to this, tell us <laughs> yeah. if squirrel testicles are an Australian thing. It was the weirdest thing. I will never forget that oh in my, my life. Oh, God. Uh, putting a new definition to the squirrel nut zippers. <laughs> God. Never forget, Big Band was a thing in the 90s, and I don't know why. Wait, Big Band was a thing in the 90s? Dude, do you not know this? Oh my god. There's this whole thing in the 90s with those, uh, like, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and the Squirrel Nut Zippers. And uh, I'm trying to remember some of these other bands of that time that would play these, like, bop, bop, ba da da, bop, like a Brian Seltzer Orchestra or Setzer? Setzer? I think it's Setzer. Is this like a Lou Bega type thing? Oh, it's so much more than that. Oh my god. Because <laughs> I remember Lou Bega and he had like the, the horns and the, the you know the in the background for Mambo number five, but I don't know no. about the big band. What? You don't know you don't know who Big Bad Voodoo Daddy is? Oh, I thought you were saying big band. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you are. Yeah. They'd have I'm all the no trumpets and they'd have like an entire an entire band out there, yeah. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Yeah. The, I'm trying to think. I'll play a little bit. I don't know how much music I can play on this without getting in trouble. But, but this kind of stuff. Oh. Like, th- that music was everywhere in the late 90s with the Zoot Suits and people. That was the big song was Zoot Suit Riot. Riot! The Cherry Poppin' like, Daddies. Oh, I do know that song. I know Zuzu The Cherry Poppin' Daddies, one of the grossest names of a band of all time. That song you just played sounds like the type of thing they would play during B-roll, during like an episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dines, Dives or whatever. I can never say it right either. Triple D, baby! Triple D! <laughs> Di- diners, Dives, and Drive-Ins or something? Diners, yeah, like- Drive-Ins, and Dives. Yeah, I always have trouble, especially if I've had a beer or two, I always fuck it up. It's always, I think I always say drivers, dine-ins, and drives. (laughs) That's a good game to play when you're drunk. Like, say it five times as fast as you can. Yeah, to just say as much. Well, that was uh, one of our vocal warm-ups when I was in 
broadcast school, like at Temple. Was, <laughs> we would we would do like the she sells seashells by the seashore. Like you would say oh, that yeah. kind of stuff to to warm up because it's tricky to say. And also it would help you. We use that stuff to do like gravitas, for instance. Like so you would try to say that statement, but with as much gravitas as you could. So it'd be she sells seashells by the seashore. What is it? Unique New York? Unique New York. I always think of that's that's one of my favorite parts of Anchorman is the the vocal warm ups, because uh, <laughs> when I'm warming up for this show, I will frequently say the human torch was denied a bank loan, <laughs> which is just one of the funniest lines in Anchorman. It gets me every time is the human torch was denied a bank loan. I do. All right. Now that we're on this topic, I do want to ask you. You saw Anchorman 2, right? I did. I don't remember much of it. I All I remember was it was the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not good. No, I remember watching it going like, this is something. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for, the, for Anchorman 2, and it looked great. That first trailer, I was oh, like, oh, my fantastic. God. Yeah. And then I saw it. I was like, yikes. yikes. This is the worst thing I've ever watched. Sadly, I'm not sure it's the worst movie Adam McKay has done because I really, really did not like the one that uh, just got nominated for the Oscar. What was that movie called? Don't Look Up. I did not see that movie. I didn't even know that that was a movie until this very minute. Oh, okay. Well, I watched every (laughs) Oscar-nominated movie this year. We actually made it through the full gauntlet this year, and and I love Adam McKay. I, I think he's fantastic. Um, it, tremendous SNL writer back in the day, all that. And I was really looking forward to Don't Look Up, although I was also lo- thinking it was going to infuriate me. Like, we watched his Dick Cheney movie a few years back, and it made Emily, like, furious. Like, she was pacing the living room mad thinking about Dick Cheney again. But it was a great movie. Christian Bale's tremendous in it. So I was hoping he would bring that satirical edge to this. And I just, it just fell flat for me in like every respect of the movie. No, that's, it's a shame. I hate it when movies do that. Like, honestly, this might be a little controversial, but like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was kind of like that for me, where it just, I don't know, I was expecting a lot more and then it just didn't quite hit, you know? Everybody has told me I need to watch that movie a second time because... I watched it the first time and I, it didn't hit for me either, but everybody I've heard from that has watched it multiple times says the second time it like, it hits better for you. Yeah. I, I, that's my problem. I have not seen it a second. I haven't either. I keep meaning to, and maybe I'll do it this weekend. And then we, you know what? That's a summer podcast right there is we watch. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good idea. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier, whole summer podcast idea, uh, maybe even a series uh, of different, like we'll have a discussion each week because you said you're a big Tarantino head is we go through the entire Tarantino catalog and discuss. Yes. I'm the, Oh dude, that's my dream right there. All right. Well, we got a summer podcast series going on. Oh, let's roll. Okay. I'm totally down for it. Excellent. Oh, all right. So I, we're kind of skipping ahead of here a little bit, but I do want to ask about this real genius. <laughs> Can we cut? Yeah. You, you want to skip to that segment? Cause I'm going to cut, the one segment that we we're going to talk about, it was a great idea from James and I want to do it, but I think we can do that next week. And I think we'll do be, it next week. I, we're going to do it next week. It's going to be great. Uh, so James, we are going to talk about your great idea next week. We have two things that non flyers related. So if you're looking for flyers content, you could just sign off now. Thanks for your service. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't even think we have anything hockey left. So 
Okay, this segment I call movie endings without context. Okay, this is something I also want to go on indefinitely, like make this a regular thing where my challenge this week, and we can challenge each other back when we find movies that we haven't seen, but the challenge is I have given Ryan a clip here. Okay. And uh, it's the ending of the movie Real Genius, which is an 80s movie with Val Kilmer. Okay. And I'm just giving it to him without context. He's never heard of this movie. He's never seen this movie. So I want Ryan to react to the ending of Real Genius right now. All right. Here we go. I'm, I have it up right here. Is there a certain point I should skip to? I think you just got to watch it. Yeah. Just, just, just watch it. React. Here we go. All right. I'm going to start it now. Now, you listen to me, Jesus. <laughs> we're this already is Jerry's house. And we're very close. So if you're not going to answer me, then I'm just going to have to go in. So to give you an impression of what's going on right now, dear listeners. Uh, so what has happened is uh, this gentleman, this blonde gentleman is entering this house. That's kind of like an individual house by itself. And uh, there is a laser about to fire off from the sky. Can you hear what's happening? Yes. Now the laser, I don't even have this on, but I have watched this a couple times. So I know what's going on. The laser is going through a stained glass window. So it looks like the man's having a religious revelation and uh, (laughs) it's hitting a giant tinfoil thing. Which is heating up, and it looks like the top of Jiffy Pop, and that's because it's filled with popcorn. So now this sky laser from an airplane, a military airplane, is heating up a giant thing of popcorn. (laughs) Why is there a giant thing of popcorn? I'm going to tell you after the clip. Is the house going to explode? So the house is just filling up with popcorn. <laughs> Val Kilmer and the gang are outside just uh, going, get out, Gary, or whatever the guy's name is. And then the, the redheaded gentleman with the military, that is his home that is being filled with popcorn right now. The door is literally like about to, yeah, there we go. Val Kilmer. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good hurdle over the fence. It is an impressive fence hurdle. That was great. Oh, that's some great CGI. <laughs> so for the listeners, the, the gentleman whose home is being filled up with popcorn right now is uh, the guy who he was in Die Hard. He was in, but I think most people would know him from Ghostbusters, where he played the head of the EPA who unleashes all the ghosts into the world because he needs to shut down their like uh, horribly irresponsible for the environment uh, ghost catching machine. The, the funniest thing about this is that popcorn is like knocking down the walls and like destroying this house. This is an insane ending to a movie. Popcorn is destroying <laughs> this man's home. Okay. And these, so I, I think this is time to give some of the perspective here, because I think we've seen uh, most of what I wanted you to see, which is essentially why I, I presented this movie this week is because they use a space laser or at, at minimum an airplane laser from the sky to pop enough popcorn from a giant Jiffy Pop to destroy this man's home. 
And to give you the perspective, okay, so what do you think the redheaded man from Ghostbusters, what do you think his job is? Uh, I would think like something of the CIA or like like the Secretary of Defense or something like that. I have no idea. He is Val Kilmer's professor at college. And well, he threatened <laughs> to not let Val Kilmer graduate unless he helped him build this laser. Okay. And then when Val Kilmer and the young man with the parted hair in the middle, uh, who's like a 15-year-old genius who went to college, uh, once they realized that they were using it for military purposes, they decided to sabotage the project and ruin the professor's life, essentially. Was this movie in theaters? Yes. How long was it in theaters? I mean, it was the 80s, so there's probably forever. <laughs> <laughs> God. Let's see. How much m money did it make? Uh, did you also see the part where the guy just shows up in like a like an RV? The They're like, "Oh, you're getting yeah. married." Yeah, and they've got like a, a bunch of equipment in the back. He's like hauling it all. Thirty-one point eight percent of the prizes, so I'll, I'll have to figure that out. But He's been turning in like marble miles or something, like you know, like that kind of thing where it's like you buy enough of a product and like you turn it in and you get like uh, prizes from that. Apparently, made a bunch of money off that. It's a real dumb movie. Oh boy! Now everyone's we got a slow motion segment of everybody dancing in the pile of popcorn. <laughs> to everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah, to everybody, I was about to say that we have like the quintessential 80s song. Yes. The kids are taking popcorn from the scene, which I can't imagine why you'd want to eat that popcorn. What a fucking. All right. Wh what do you think the budget for this 1985 movie was? All right. I imagine a lot. Like more than you would think for a 1980s movie. I'm going to say. Think about inflation. Yeah. Even with inflation, I'm going to say 13 million. You're close. It's 8 million. And wow. then it, it grossed in the U.S. and Canada $12,952,019. Wow. So it made money. So it did like kind of well. It did kind of well. Yeah. And it's, it's hung around. I saw this on Hulu the other week and I watched the whole thing like drowsy on my couch essentially but i did watch the whole damn thing what a weird movie it is an absolutely <laughs> bizarre movie the ending with this popcorn destroying a house is something that has stuck with me and just the randomness that is just of this like guy pulling up and he's like i'm getting married and like Hal <laughs> kilmer wearing essentially a larry david shirt in 1985 like... <laughs> i just think it's funny that like it's popcorn that is like weightless that's bursting this that's destroying this house from the inside out and like that totally wouldn't happen i feel like the amount of popcorn that it would take to bust the windows and literally cause the a house to cave in on itself would be ridiculous and uh, I, I don't know that would have that's a crazy movie what the hell <laughs> My gosh. The rest of the movie is strange. It's a lot of like Val Kilmer, like avoiding, like doing actual work and all that. And like the professor, like coming down hard on the, the star pupil is like, I, I, I'm disappointed in you. I have to build the space laser for the military. And I just love that because they realize that their work, number one, obviously it's wrong with the professor to use his students to do his work. But number two, like 
maybe don't destroy his house because he dared to fulfill his military contract. I, I don't know, dude. I, I have no, I need to watch this full movie now because like, I can't watch that and be like, and just leave it. Like now I have to watch the whole thing. And okay. So the popcorn thing is there is literally just one scene where Val Kilmer shows up at the professor's house and he, he's like, something stinks. Something smells really bad. And he's like, I don't know. What is it? He doesn't know what it is. He's like, is that popcorn? I hate popcorn. And he makes him leave it on the front porch of the house. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this makes, this gives me hope as like maybe a screenwriter one day, you know? If I could go back in time and be a screenwriter in any era, it would be the 80s. Because you could get away with just criminal movie screenplays in the 80s. Insane stuff. And you would make money. Like... Just unbelievable movie ideas, and people would probably go to see it. Unbelievable. Just insane movie ideas, and they work. People were at the movies constantly. Just made, every movie made money. It's just, it's wild. And this isn't even my favorite 80s movie. That might be Action USA at the end of the day. But I, I, that's another day's conversation right there. Good God. Well, I'll never forget that, what I just saw. <laughs> you will ne that's going to stay with you till the end of time right there. That I'm never, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I can tell you right now, that is wild. That is wild. And I only want to talk about this briefly, but also wild to me is that the Philadelphia Stars are coming back with the USFL. They're not going to play in Philadelphia this year. They're going to all going to play in like Alabama. But the Stars unveiled their mascot. And I think Steph Driver in the BSH Slack yesterday called it like a demented grimace or something like that. It's, have you seen uh, Mr. Blob yet? It's just Blob. I have not seen that, though. No. All right, click on the link in the Google Drive document, and please check out the Philadelphia Stars mascot, who is just, he, he looks like a sleepy devil or a high devil or something oh, like that. Oh, yes, I have. I have seen him. Oh, my God. He looks just totally high out of his mind. <laughs> it's insane. He looks high as hell. He looked, <laughs> he looked so stoned. It's wild. I have to, hold on. I got to get a, I'm pulling up the photo of him again. What an insane, I'm so happy that he's the mascot. It's probably the best move they could have made. Like they looked and they said, well, Gritty worked. <laughs> so <laughs> This is, and this well, looks like Gritty's that. best friend who just never graduated and just kind of hung around the hometown. And I love that his name is Bl Blob because you know that everyone picked that because they knew that it was the stupidest, most ridiculous name possible. That is 100% what happened. And that was actually, <laughs> it was a fan vote. It was a fan vote yesterday. Like There was a Twitter poll. Blob. I voted in it. The other choices were Astro, Cosmo, and then there was Blob. And Blob won 65% of the vote. <laughs> Like, it wasn't even a close thing. It was like a landslide for Blob. Number two was Cosmo, who got 24%, and Astro got 11%. Yeah. Nah, Astro, that's not good. Cosmo, I kind of liked Cosmo because it reminded me of Cosmo Kramer. It does remind me of Cosmo Kramer. And then Blob, <laughs> Blob is just funny, though. Cosmo Kramer, the ass man, Astro, the dog from the Jetsons, or Blob. I think Blob's the clear winner. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till Blob gets invited to like the Fanatics birthday party and it's just like all the professional looking mascots and then there's Blob. Yeah, I, I know. I need Blob and Gritty to get to 
like to hang out together. It's going to happen. It's 100% going to happen because the Flyers have nothing else to give us. So it's it's they have to give us this. Yeah. No, at the very least. Yeah. Please make it happen, Flyers. If you're listening. Honestly, please. the first thing I thought of when I saw well, – we know they listen. They listen and they ignore us all the time because we have great ideas, but they always ignore us. But the first thing I thought of when I saw Dear Blob here was I thought of uh, I Think You Should Leave where they have this sketch where they have a, a game show and they have a mascot on the show named Chunky. And the whole premise is like Chunky, like they haven't figured out what the hell Chunky does. So Chunky comes out and he's like, you got to figure out what you do, man. Come on. And like, he's just fucking around. Then he goes too far and like breaks the guy's laptop and stuff. Good. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, oh, perfect. All right, folks, we got to get going, but thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it as always. If you have any feedback, you can reach us on Twitter. Ryan is Ryan Quiggs with a Z. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Estee Bomb. It's for hockey. Make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. All that great stuff. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 w